Hey guys and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. So today is episode 179 and this is an incredible episode. This is with Tom Coleman. So Tom is a sleep coach, a motivational speaker, health scientist, shift work specialist and a keynote speaker. And we went big into sleep here because sleep is one of those things that isn't spoken about an awful lot or hasn't been spoken about for an awful lot and it is coming more and more to the forefront of why people are struggling their mental health has been impacted their energy levels are being impacted their training their lives their livelihoods everything is being impacted by sleep so we talk about is sleep an issue or is it a lifestyle issue is it a sleep issue or a lifestyle issue we talk about three tools for dealing with anxiety we talk about that we're great at creating routines and sleep routines for our kids but when it comes to us we kind of neglect those and how to kind of overcome this the truth about caffeine and disrupting sleep and we talk about kind of does does the impact of hitting the snooze button have an impact on your sleep and your overall energy we talk about when's the best time to exercise before bed be, uh, in the morning we talk about the experience the importance of daylight exposure we talk about how to get back to sleep after or if you wake up in the middle of the night and we talk about our sleep devices accurate and what's the most accurate one so there's so so much more in there as well but they're kind of like the snippets so this is an incredible episode with tom tom knows the stuff on the back of his hand he's really, really approachable so his it's tom coleman.ie on instagram and he's an incredible man and i would love to have this chat and we're just chatting for ages off off air as well um so i hope you guys enjoy the episode with tom coleman Tom, how are we? Very good. Yeah, not bad. Uh, so, Tom, for anyone who isn't aware of you, I don't know where they've been. And I think sleep <laughs> is so out there at the minute. And it's it's definitely to the forefront of our minds. Can you tell us how you got into this field? Because it's not one of those things that's on sure. the leaving search. No, no. So I think someone asked me the other day where, where I studied sleep analysis or something <laughs> like this. But yeah, it's one of those areas that I, I, I became interested in sleep. I set up a nutritional consultancy business uh, nearly 10 years ago, my wife, and she's a chef. And I was always into sport. My background is health science and physiology. So very keen on kind of understanding mechanisms and how things work. So I was working in the nutrition space and I got working with some, you know, fairly decent athletes. And then I became obsessed with, right, what is the biggest impact on, on a person's ability to recover? Um, what can accelerate that process uh, and then I, I discovered sleep uh, all these coaches in the US were telling their players to come in at 12 rather than 8 and there's this kind of you know um, narrative around you know work 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 until you drop you know work 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 but you know what 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 is the best return on investment like like the the famous olympic roar said what w- will it make the boat go faster and that's the that's the the filter that you put everything through like what's the best thing to do here is it to have another protein shake is it to do another hit session or is it to chill out or is it to, you know so people will tell you to work harder train harder look after your nutrition drink more but who will tell you to sleep better you have to sleep harder you know <laughs> uh, and, if, and so that's how I became interested and then I quickly got to, I was just kind of lucky in my timing I got to work with a US company who I suppose developed or, or, or um, worked with um, fatigue management and uh, sleep analysis so these guys are kind of leaders in the field they um, utilize wearable tech like this and they work with with special forces to this day uh, and I got to work with that technology so it 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 um it gave me a good sort of shoe hold in and, and and I just continued to research and then a couple of years ago I was involved in research on sleep so um yeah I was on an expert panel with 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 a few people one of the guys from uh, Oxford University he's one of the world's leading experts I was chuffed to bits because here I was watching all his videos and then I'm on an expert panel with him so you know my journey in sleep has been kind of interesting and now I I spend a lot of my time speaking about not just the importance of sleep and I think we kind of know the dangers and the you know the, the consequences but like teaching people practical tools and how to deal with them like answer solutions let's get into solutions here like yeah so that's that's been, that's been my journey in sleep you mentioned that you're talking your points that your monitor there or your, yeah. your wrist monitor are they accurate or what is the most accurate one like what is what okay is, was, uh, my 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 one here is the most <laughs> 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 so so we know we know because it's, it's kind of heavily researched field so we know that they're about 75 percent accurate at telling you if you're awake or asleep but that 
level of accuracy drops down to about 38 or 35 percent in telling you if you're in a deep wave or, or a light wave sleep which means they're, they're wrong 65 percent <laughs> of the time right um the one i have is is by a company called fatigue science Okay. And, and and that's validated against the gold standard of sleep measurement, which is polysomnography. So I know that the so how do, like I'm a scientist. So how do we how do we know if something is what's what's the measure? Well, if it's valid, it's, validity is a measure of accuracy, and reliability is a measure of consistency. So it's giving me accurate information consistently. Whereas the other tech um, is okay at telling you if you're awake or asleep, but when it tells you, because I get people coming to me worried, going, oh my God, my Fitbit is telling me I'm only getting 20 minutes deep sleep. How can I get more deep sleep? And I'm going, listen, don't worry about it. Your brain will look after itself, you know. Um, but I mean, so that's, I, I'm just lucky enough, I get to work with this. You can't buy this if People can't go, it's not open to consumers. I, I work with groups um, who can afford to splash the cash on this and um, I, I get to monitor, I get to still work with some elite level athletes around Ireland and, and beyond with the, with the tech. But do, like my advice to, on the tech is, you know, in a general sense, good, but don't read into too much um, data on it in terms of uh, light sleep, deep sleep, REM sleep, non-REM sleep. Okay, brilliant. Because I know some people can get bogged down in the data, even within my fitness pal. If I'm bringing it back to kind of like yeah. the fitness realm as well, my fitness pal, people can get bogged down in it. It's a tool. It's not a death sentence. So don't get exactly. bogged down in it. Basically, exactly. In relation to from your experience, do you people do you think people have a kind of a sleep issue or a lifestyle issue? Because I know I read you yeah. put content out and it was a brilliant post. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, like, look, you know, I think what's important is that is clarification around the issues they have. Um, some people have medical issues. So, so sleep issues fall into different categories, right? Now, for a lot of people, they come to me and they say, you know, I, I've got sleep issues. And I, and I start to ask them, tell me about your day. Tell me about when you get up. Tell me about, and I just dig out all the information. And then I discover they have lifestyle choice issues, you know. The people who are kind of drinking six or eight cups of coffee and, yeah. and, and incredibly busy and on two laptops and three phones. And they're, you know, going, I, I can't sleep. I don't know why, you know. Um, and they've no exercise or very little exercise or whatever else. So we have to be clear about diagnosis. And I don't diagnose. Uh, let's be clear about that. Because uh, insomnia and other medical um, issues uh, need proper clinical diagnosis. Now, there's a, I know there's a big gap in the market there but i mean in terms of it's very hard to get appointments and stuff like that but for for the most of us my advice to people would be look after all of these physical components and sleep that you can control and then tell me where you're at and then we'd see if you uh, because there is a clear difference between sleep deprivation and insomnia you spoke about the likes of the caffeine and stuff and i think yeah i don't think people realize how much impact caffeine or alcohol has on their sleep We'll yeah. talk about caffeine first. Yeah. So, um, is, is there a, is there a kind of a cutoff point? Like when some I know some people I can say in like Mediterranean cultures they'll have mm-hmm. coffee at like nine pm and go to bed at ten pm. You're kind of like, are they really yeah. getting enough sleep? My dad will be one of those. Yeah. Um, but is, is there a cutoff? Well, see, the, 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 there's a couple of um, problems that caffeine presents in in in, in, in so far as there's great variance, like if we go to the same coffee machine and you get a coffee and I get a coffee, there can be two and there will be two different amounts of caffeine in those cups of coffee. So, the, so, so caffeine variance in, in coffee beans is an issue, right? And then the other thing is the, the genetic predisposition. So you may have a genome that can process caffeine much quicker than me and vice versa. So in a broad sense, the recommendation is not to have it after kind of 2 p.m. And in a broad sense, the recommendation is kind of not more than two or three cups. But it, this is very personal. I know some people who can drink maybe, you know, double that and, and they can still get fairly decent sleep. Um, the issue with, with caffeine and sleep is it, c- caffeine, the, the actual shape of the molecule, blocks adenosine receptors in your brain and that stops you. It interferes with th- that mechanism which builds sleep pressure so um it stops sleep onset it delays sleep onset and also it delays the depth or quality of sleep that or it, it interferes with the quality of sleep so you won't go as deep because if we drink coffee we we, we get a little bump of adrenaline as well so it can it if people have anxiety or, or stress it can feed into that um so depth of sleep is also impacted so you know it can take anywhere from five it has a half life of anywhere between five and nine hours 
So be careful with yourself. I know my cutoff point. Like let's I'm I'm the sleep guy and I love coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I don't drink alcohol. I don't, you know, I, I don't have many vices. Coffee is one of my vices. So I I adore coffee. I couldn't live without coffee. But I I don't drink any coffee after one PM. Absolutely not, because otherwise I will it will impact my sleep. And what about the likes of, I'm like you, I can't drink it. And I know if I if I do have one, it'll be like, so when we could go out on a night out, it'll be like, because I don't drink alcohol. So it's kind of like, if I need to kind of like keep up with the lads, like get a coffee yeah. into you at dinner or whatever, maybe. What about the likes of alcohol impacting your sleep? Because you feel, you have that jaded feeling anyway for yeah. the next day. Yeah. And people, when they're kind of like, oh, I, I, I comatose after booze or whatever when they get home it's like yeah. but they wake up still tired so yeah. what is the truth about alcohol and sleep <laughs> well they, they wake up tired because they technically haven't slept uh, yeah. which is quite a shocking you know um, so alcohol interferes with neural signaling in the brain um, it, it interferes with REM sleep um, so it stops you dreaming and that's absolutely critical for health for life if i stop you dreaming and if i stop you sleeping for a few weeks you essentially die quicker you will die before if i stop you eating and i stop you exercising and i stop you sleeping you which will you die from first lack of sleep 100 percent um so alcohol uh, messes up your brain and um it, it you know for people who no you know a, a glass of wine in the evening fine no problem um, it's when we take it to another level and we start drinking more and more Then, if I put a polysomnography hat on, which tells me about if you're, uh, you know, in stage one or stage two, or, or if you're out of consciousness and if you drunk alcohol, it will tell me you're out of consciousness. So technically you're not sleeping. And that's why people wake up completely tired because they technically haven't slept the next day, the next day. So and that takes, that takes a couple of days to flush out of the system. Especially as you get older. Especially <laughs> as we get worse at sleeping and many other things as we get older. So, um, like the impact that like lack of sleep would have on say appetite and kind of decision fatigue and stuff like that. We'll go with the appetite first. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it it really screws up your appetite because it would probably increase it. Because if you're sleep deprived, you, you you get an increased grain levels, so your grain levels elevate. So like typically night shift workers have increased grain levels, which means that you get cravings. And and what, what we're not craving salads. Uh, <laughs> We crave carbohydrates. We crave white carbohydrates, sugar, and this is really, again, there's a good reason for that. When you when you eat those types of carbohydrates, the combination of the insulin uh, boost and tryptophan in the carbohydrates uh, release serotonin, and serotonin gives us that good feeling, that feeling of oh, this is lovely. It, it, the serotonin is about the now. It keeps us in the now, you know, and and we, and we eat. It's it's a mood enhancer. So so you know what happens is when you're sleep deprived, your stress level goes up, your mood is impacted negatively, and your ghrelin levels elevate, and your leptin, which tells you to stop eating, switches off or goes right down as well. So I mean, it's just it's 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 just a minefield, uh, uh, absolutely, and we make very poor decisions then. Yeah. Uh, yeah, big time. Um, like in relation to yourself, like what's your pre-bed routine look like? Because I know there's so much information overload. I've got t- two screens, two phones beside yeah. me here. Yeah. But I, at a certain time, at like six o'clock, my blue light black glasses will go on. Yeah, I'm. Um, I'll give it. So today, now I've we, I've said already. I I've done two radio interviews. I've had three webinars and two meetings and the podcast. So. It's a busy day, busy, busy day, and that's all good. Uh, tomorrow, I have I've booked off. Um, creating space for myself is really important. Winding down is one of the most important things. Like, how many people come to me and go, I just can't wind down. My, my brain is just racing. And because we have an untrained mind in Western culture, we have, uh, your my, my brain is like a child with ADHD. Oh, what's this? What's that? You know, I mean, so... I mean, and I'd have a, I'd have that type of personality, and I've done it in the past. Or work, 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 work. You know, so to be cognizant of the impact that that has on myself, I have to be sure that I wind down physically, emotionally, mentally, co- like the same area of my brain, the prefrontal cortex, which is in charge of problem solving and planning and organizing, is also in charge of worry. So if I just take the activity away and leave that brain active, it'll just gravitate towards worst case scenario and keep me awake at night. And, you know, so for me, it's very important that I 
make space, make time for my two and a half year old son um, that I, you know, exercise. Like for me, the, the mental health benefits of exercise above anything else are powerful. I honestly don't train to, to, it's nice to look good, right? But I don't train for any other reason, only like really for my mental health yeah. because I get clarity of thought. It brings me into the now. It brings me, it brings me into the mo- The phone is, is a dopamine device. Okay, so Harvard tell us that all the app companies operate their apps off something called dopamine error reward. It's like Las Vegas gambling, same system. So you get dopamine is is the neurotransmitter, the neuromodulator that's in charge of uh, reward for doing things that progress us in the human sort of race. It brings us forward. Let's do it again. Eat. Do it again. You know, have sex. Do it again. You know, procreation. So that's dopamine. And it's associated with addiction. So we get a blast of dopamine when we hear the phone. Bing. We hear that notification. Ooh, what's that? And you want to check. Um, And then you check. And if you get, you know, 100 new followers, you get another blast of dopamine. If you don't, you put the phone down and you you wait for the next. Now, that's the same as the gambling, the pulling of the lever, the spinning of the things, you know. So app companies know. So phones, people, are bringing you up and, 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 and pushing you into a state of arousal. And that's one of the reasons why you have an overactive mind. And it's highly addictive. The only thing that dopamine wants is more dopamine more good feeling and you know as someone said uh, you know are, are those uh, is that medication addictive he said no but you are um so we are addictive by nature so let's let's get some positive uh, habits in in place so that's that's what i have to be mindful of that i'm i'm aware of all this and switching off from all this and disconnecting from all this you talk about switching off and i think one of the things that i think a lot of people do i think in particular i'm not sure if it's now you probably know the answer anyway but in relation to hitting the snooze button a little bit more often mm. or is it more impactful on your sleep and more kind of detrimental to your health over time or what is well, the actual situation it, it, it's kind of like you know it tells me something if people are hitting the snooze button five times or six times or ten times it tells me that they're not going to bed early enough I've no problem with people hitting the snooze button. I hit it myself once. That's it. Time to get up then, because you know what you should like. Everything you do from the second you wake will inform your sleep that night. Everything, you know, it's it's part of the one system. I'm, you know, in my background looking at health as a whole and physiology, and I, I see it in that sense in systems and and how they integrate together and how they work together. So we have our circadian rhythm, which is an internalized mechanism of the human physiology of how we work, which is very delicate and different times of the day, different processes happen in the body. So we get a spike of our blood pressure spikes between 6am and, and, you know, usually 6 to 7am our body, our core body temperature starts to rise. These things wake us up and get us, get, get up out of bed. That's what, that's what our, our physiology is telling us, right? Cause we are diurnal creatures, which means we are active during daylight hours. So, if someone is not getting up, you should get up and you should get outside for light. If you feel tired in the morning, get outside. Get your cup of coffee in the morning like I do and wander outside for five or ten minutes. When you come back in, your energy level would have completely changed. Cortisol activation response. You help it. Um, and then even do some exercise. Have a walk, do some squats while you're outside. And notice the difference. If you're looking after your sleep, your hygiene, you're going to bed at the right time, you won't need to hit the snooze button. Or do you hit it once? That's okay, you know. But people are hitting it five or ten times. You know, what are they doing before that? That's the question. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I, and I think the the thing Larry Doyle calls a vitamin N, getting vitamin N first yeah. thing in the morning, getting light exposure. I it's genuinely, I know it was a little bit tougher to do during the winter months when it was pitch black outside, but it was still yeah. like it was like a sense of achievement getting outside. Yeah. Uh, it's part of the morning routine. You, were, you mentioned kind of exercise and it's so close to your heart just for your mental health and the, yeah. the body composition is a bonus. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, is there kind of people who can kind of train better in the morning or is there kind of like, is, it too, is there a time where you, it's too close to kind of bedtime with sleep and good. can impact us? Brilliant. I mean, that's just such a good question because it, it you know, there are things like there are, you have a chronotype, 
your chronotype is I, I, I'm a night owl so like if I was left to my own devices I'd stay up half the bloody night and plead up you know <laughs> early but oh god you're you, you're one of those annoying people that get up in the morning all activated and happy and ask We're those questions <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like Jesus Christ keep away from me don't be asking me any questions in the morning right? that's your chronotype you know and there's about a 30-40-30 split you know people are some people are in between some people are early birds some people are night owls so for the early birds, I would encourage them to exercise in the morning. What exercise will do in the morning for you is like your testosterone levels are at their highest in the morning. So it would be good time to, to lift a bit of weight, maybe. Um, it will help elevate your body temperature. And, you know, what controls the circadian rhythm and the mechanisms in the human body is actually body temperature. That's the control. The light is the trigger that sets it off. And then the temperature of the body will help different mechanisms work. Um, you, your, your core body temperature peaks at 5 p.m. So that's another brilliant time to exercise. Generally, the advice around when is the best time to exercise is 30 minutes after waking, three hours after waking, and 11 hours approximately after waking. Those are the three times where it's probably conducive. But like you and me know, I mean, any time is a good time to exercise. But before sleep, the recommendation then is, because what you're doing is you're in fight or flight if you're exercising. So you've activated the stress response, which is cortisol levels elevate, adrenaline, blood is pumped to major muscle groups, your vision changes, um, all the stuff, your heart rate, blood pressure, all that's you know impacted to 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 create a bias towards movement in the body and get you ready for action. So if you've activated those systems, you need to deactivate them before sleep. And how do you do that? Food is will help because of the parasympathetic rest and recover eat some food, carbohydrates and uh, protein uh, together, uh, have a shower. Again, you're going to impact your body temperature. So if you have a warm shower, it causes a rebound cooling effect in the body um, and also deep breathing. And deep breathing stimulates uh, the parasympathetic system. It stimulates the phrenic nerve in the, in the uh, diaphragm and the the vagus nerve, which 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 will help. So you need to deactivate physically if you exercise later. But it's like food, about three hours, two to three hours before sleep. Otherwise, it, it will keep you awake. I know. So my next question was in relation to the kind of the digestion side of things as well. Uh, but you've you've kind of gone through that there, and I think I think what a lot of people do struggle with with the what a lot what I'm seeing anyway on a daily basis is when you start to say to people like take a couple of big deep breaths in. It's almost mm. the most difficult part for people to do is taking those. I think mm-hmm. it's a little bit wishy-washy. Like I'm going to turn into the Buddha if I start to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's 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 it genuinely if you're it will release the tension in your in your chest and you will definitely have a, have a better sleep. I know what's happened for a lot of people. Like it's kind of like it's very bright early in the morning at the minute, and people are waking up with anxiety and stuff. But if someone comes to you and says I'm waking up at three a.m. and can't get back to sleep. Mm. What are your top tips and what are your go-to tips? Well, it's just like, you know, I mean, firstly, it's very common. You know, wake episodes happen for various reasons. So if your stress and anxiety levels are up, you're more likely to have more wake episodes. And I've witnessed a huge volume of increase in that. So, you know, when we sleep, we sleep in 90-minute cycles. Okay, so blocks of 90 minutes where you go from a light sleep, you go deep, 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 and then you come up and you dream. And that's your dream phase is a light phase. So... The first two 90-minute cycles tend to be the deepest, and then your dream phase really starts extending rapidly. So your fifth cycle, your fifth 90-minute cycle, your dream phase is an hour. So what's happening over the course of the night is your dream, your sleep is getting naturally lighter. The sleep pressure that is built up during the day has been relieved. Two or three cycles in, the sleep pressures drop right down which means you're going to naturally wake up. And the third thing is the hormones are starting to, to, the hormones that will wake you up like cortisol and testosterone are starting to be produced in the third, fourth and fifth cycle. So to wake up is normal, natural. We call it sleep-wake cycles. We don't call it sleep. So what to do? Firstly, don't give yourself a hard time. I've woken up. I always wake up at this bloody time. What do you all do? You grab your phones, press the button, get blinded by the light and go, Christ, it's three (laughs) o'clock. You know, don't worry about it. Don't check the phone. Learn a technique. Now, let's delve into what you said because I love it. Um, you know, take a deep breath and all this. And we're, we're kind of told, you know, we're told this. And I, I was always a kind of fan of meditation over the years. And I only in the last couple of years when I actually really found out some of the mechanisms, because I'm, I'm a fan of mechanism. How does it work? As I mentioned earlier. So how does it work? So 
distress response we all know of, we also have a matching calm response. People don't know that. Distress response, sympathetic, sympathetic nervous system, okay? Stress designed to bring your attention to something important, okay? Fight, flight, that we all know that one, right? Where you're up, you have to move. We have a matching calm response, not based on practice, not based on psychology, based exactly on your physiology, the fastest scientific method to calm down that you already do and you don't know it. You do it when you're tired, you do it when you're asleep. It's reflexive. All animals have it, not just humans. If you have a diaphragm, you have the calm response. And the calm response is the deep breath and the slow exhale. So it's... So you're doing this extended exhale. What's the physiology of it? Your diaphragm is being pushed up and that compresses the thoracic cavity, which compresses blood flow in your heart, which signals to the SA nodes in your heart to tell your brain to drop your blood pressure and slow your heart rate down, and slow your breathing. So that's the actual science of it. It works if you believe it or not believe it. It works for everyone every time. I'd, I've done this. I, I don't get nervous now when I speak in front of people, and I, but I do get nervous when I have to speak on the radio. And uh, I think I had a bad experience on the radio my first time on, you know. And a few weeks ago, I was <laughs> I was asked to go on, um, I think it was Today FM or whatever. And I said, yeah, sure, great, fantastic. And I was sitting there waiting with the phone. Here I was with the phone, right? Waiting, and then I hear the call, and I can hear the radio going, Tom Coleman is going, I was like, oh, God. And then, boom, I get the stress response. I'm watching it hitting me going, right, there's my heart rate, there's the adrenaline. Um, <laughs> witnessing myself getting the stress response. And I go, okay, let's do the calm response. So I'm like, <sighs> doing this breathing just before I come on. And it worked. It works so well, guys, honestly. Honest to God. Now, what happens to mind when we wake up at three o'clock in the morning is we get stressed out because we have to get back to sleep. Yeah. And the untrained mind will gravitate towards worry because part of the reason we're successful as a species is our ability to look into the future and predict threats. So normal to, to start looking for worry. So what do you do? You give your brain some chewing gum. Um, and that could be in the form of a podcast. A med- I think it was Matthew Walker that said, I, I, I won't be offended if you fall asleep during my podcast. <laughs> so... Put on, I throw on a podcast. That's my routine. You know, it's part of my routine to throw on a podcast. That's just about interesting enough to keep my attention. And it gives my brain something to drift away off to sleep to. Body scan technique. There's one of my Instagram profile. Uh, give myself a plug there. But I researched the, the military technique because the military have invested millions. These bands that I wear were designed for fighter pilots. Um, and because they could afford to lose a $30 million plane, but they couldn't afford to spend 10 years training a guy. So every one of the US military guys wear one of these and it gives them a measure of fatigue because fatigue, mental fatigue impacts reaction time directly. So they researched the best technique and they came up with this body scan. So you can check it out. So learn the body scan, do the leverage your physiology, give your mind some chewing gum. Those are the things that will get you back to sleep. And once you, like, the thing is, once you build confidence in this, you'll be like, I can do it. Like, you have to change that narrative. I always wake up, yeah, but you know what? I learned how to fall back asleep and I can do it now, like, in two minutes. I love the way you've spoken about a narrative because we, uh, we as, as humans, we have self-professing stories. And I always talk about this with clients. It's like, yeah, that's a real cool story. Where did you go that come from? And they, they're kind of like, I don't know. It just grew, it grew on me. And I was like, yeah, it grew on you. You're not a tree. Uh, so it's kind of like, yeah, you have to look at it from that point of view as well. We do kind of pretend to believe that if you tell yourself the same story over and over again, you're going to start yeah. to believe it. It's like when people told you Santa existed. And if you're a kid, I sincerely apologize if I ruined Christmas. <laughs> my bad um in relation to kind of like the phone the phone is is one of those things that's that's everywhere we have some people have two i have two beside me here and some people have three um what barriers can we put in place with the phone before and how much of an impact can that light actually impact on our our sleep yeah we're very sensitive to the blue light we have we have um receptors at in the back of our eye and they're called photoganglion receptors so these receptors are so sensitive that when i tell you to get outside for the morning light it's because this blue white light frequency that hits particular receptors that signal then to the part of your brain that that coordinates everything so we're very sensitive to light if you get outside 
close to sunset when the sun is going down, there's a particular light frequency and receptor that this corresponds to. So that those things will anchor your sleep. And if you get out in the afternoon, in the evening time, and get some of that light, what that will do is that will inoculate you against the effects of white and blue light. Okay? So if you don't, you our, our eyes become more sensitive as the day goes on. And then it doesn't take much to tip us into... Uh, shutting down melatonin production because one of the key mechanisms that pushes you to sleep is melatonin and if you're if you're if you're if you've got a screen in front of you especially the phones that's very bright then that will that will keep you awake so you need to go on the control display and brightness settings and cut out that blue light there's programs you can get for your laptops one of them is called f lux which controls the light which cuts out that blue and white light and again it's about developing the habit you know it really is about developing that habit put boundaries in terms of connection we're jesus we're so i'm to say i can be the same you know so connected to emails and messages and, and instagram and it's part of my job is to have a profile on instagram and, and and stuff like that and you know i have to stage out when like when is the cutoff point for me because it's detrimental to me. It's going to be impacting me in a negative sense. So we can use our phones positively in the bedroom by having, you know, podcast meditations, uh, relaxing sounds, you know, like some people, that's their wind down. And, and I get that. Like, I, it's my own wind down sometimes. But like, I, it's been disciplined around the time and the habit. If you, you know, establishing that habit and those time habits and, and, and that takes, takes a little effort, but that's what will give you, if you want results, you know, what do people have? You have to change behaviors because otherwise, you, you're, you know, we all know this. We're not, we're not going to get any, then we just, we're just complainers then, you know, that's all we are. <laughs> Isn't it really, you know? Yeah, we're good at that. Yeah, we're good at that. And we end up lying in bed at night. This is what I always say to people, you know, you can't think your way out of your problems. You're lying in bed at night doing all this kind of, oh, if I say, if I do this and that, and, this, and you're trying to think your way into a better life, but you have to live your way into better thinking. If you're taking all those right actions, but that's where you're like really hitting your targets and, and that's going to drive you forward. So that's and what, that what are your thoughts on the, the likes of the light blue, the, the blue light blocking glasses that are available? And is there any particular brand or anything like that that you kind of recommend um i the blue the blue and the white light is very important that we get blue and white light in uh, around lunchtime you know we, we should be getting lots of those strong light signals because that really ramps up serotonin production so the serotonin melatonin serotonin is a precursor to melatonin so if we have lots of light during the day that really helps us sleep at night but if we have lots of light when we should be inactive, then that will interfere with sleep. So the blue light blockers are useful in cutting out some of the light frequencies. And that's important. Some of them, not all. So they're not exhaustive. The blue light blockers are not exhaustive in terms of what they block that can interfere with your sleep. So don't think that if you're wearing them, you have a free pass to look at whatever you want. Um, But yeah, I mean, look, it's another little... I've seen... I've seen like literally hundreds of now sleep products ranging from eye masks with radios integrated into them to, to, to jellies. Ones that go to, into your ears to block out stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just crazy amount of products because companies jump on stuff and, and, and they got, well, I got, so I got sent out a lovely product by um, Dyson, sent me one uh, circadian lights, you know. Um, yeah, I wouldn't spend 500 quid in a lamp, but you know. They got one for free, so it was all right. Um, <laughs> so I'll use it. So I'll use it, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's a problem. No, I'd say look after all the other stuff first. You know, yeah. it's it's five euros for a good eye mask, for five or ten euros for an eye mask. That that will really help you. That will cut out all the residual light. Yeah, I I, I do think that there's bigger there's bigger fish to fry rather than trying to like have to put like black glasses, getting the other things first. Um, I think what's happening now for a lot of people is those with kids, especially, and you have a two and a half year old, so I can only imagine uh, terrible twos. Uh, we are very good at kind of creating good sleep routines for our kids, but when it comes to ourselves, we kind of neglect this. Have you kind of got any ideas how you've managed your own sleep during mm-hmm. this and during lockdown with having a kid as well, especially two and a half? 
Yeah, I mean, like, I, I joke, you know, I do a lot of presentations on sleep, especially in the corporate world, and I, I talk about, you know, I give people an idea about who I am, and then, I, you know, I, I, I work with this, and I've done this research, and, and then I say, well, I'm a father, and uh, my son was heading up a sleep deprivation project for a couple of years. <laughs> it's finally come to an end, you know. I, the irony of me walking around the room at three o'clock in the morning going, I'm a sleep expert, you should be asleep, uh, you know. But um, it, it just took very little for that little man to, to charge his batteries. And when he did get to sleep, boom, he was like, he was out for whatever length of time. And once he woke up, then it was like he would he would uh, land into the room at me at five o'clock in the morning and pick up my shoes and go, Dada, get up. Um, so I had to adjust my circadian rhythm to his. Uh, and I had to, I to nap when I could. I had to learn to nap. Um, and so, you teach yourself how to nap? Yeah, I mean, like some people, okay, it is personal insofar as some people have um, low melatonin levels, which means they have an issue with sleep onset. So if they have the nap, it can take them another six or eight or 10 hours before they can achieve that again. Other people are fine, but like there's a lot of mental blocks when it comes. Well, I just can't nap. Well, if you keep saying that, then you sure not to be. Yeah, 100%. So, and that's why the, the US military. Uh, they they train all their new recruits on how to fall asleep quickly, and they report to ninety eight percent success rate after six weeks. So most of us can nap, but we just it's a it's a cultural thing as well. There's a cultural thing built into that. What I do is I try like we try and get him down, get him settled, get his routine down, and then I I mean I set a time. I say right, my wind down time now is between eight and ten. And at ten o'clock, I'm in bed, and there's whatever. If I if I if I read or if I look on my phone or whatever, there's nothing. Ha- I'm not connected to any social media. I won't answer any. I won't answer any emails. I won't answer any messages. Um, you know, after say eight o'clock, absolutely not. And then eight to ten is kind of my time. And then from ten o'clock, I'm I'm shooting in for sleep. And that's just I'm I'm in bed. I'm relaxing. I'm chilled out. I'm winding down. So it's again being just these barriers. And the thing is. Once you start training yourself that way, your body, your physiology responds and you start to, you get the same releases of neurotransmitters and everything else that will, you know, essentially push you to sleep and wake you up at the same times. Because your brain loves patterns and that's why you, you wake up at the same time in the middle of the night or, or every morning, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, like, I know when I had a real job, as I call it, like naps were just not possible. But now it's kind of yeah. like, as when I was a PT doing face to face, yeah, that's where the key to my life. Like yeah. that, that half an hour was like twenty Red Bulls. It yeah, one hundred percent. But I think you know, like there's a, I have a, I have a, I have a friend he's South American, you know, and like in in uh, in South America, you, in, in everyone's house, you'll find hammocks. Yeah. Everyone has hammocks, and, and like the heat of the day, that's oh, chill out, time to unwind, time to Siestas. go siestas and go over and sit down. Like in Spain, I lived in Spain for a year and a half, I lived in South America for a year and a half. So, like, culturally, it's completely acceptable. Like, whereas here, it's not. I mean, we have a, this bias towards sleep that was born from religion. Um, not that I have anything against religion, but I realized one day when listening to the radio, they're program on about the seven deadly sins, and one of them was sloth. It's a sin to be lazy, right? So we have this narrative, you know, um, like to be busy, and we wear it as a badge of honor. How about Jesus? I was me, me on about how busy I was today, right? Um, but it's a badge of honor, and and you know, in work, the the person who's running around very busy, he's very busy, isn't he? He's a great fella, and the complete opposite of that is inactivity, is sleep. Complete opposite of being busy is sleep. So we don't want to be seen to be lazy. And if I if we have a two hour break and I turn turn around to you and I go, right, Shane, I'm gonna hit the weights for a get a quick session and you'll say, God, just look at your man, he's in great shape, you know, hitting the weights with his break. But if I turn around to you and say, Listen, I'm I'm gonna go for a quick sleep, you'll be people will be saying, Look at him going for a sleep in the middle of the, you know. So yeah. I think we we, we we kind of have to reframe that. Now, for me, the biggest issues that people have had and they've come to light in the last year is difficulties with sleep and 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 the reasons for that anxiety brought about, brought about by covid and the, all the implications that have had uh work life balance and technology combined those three things combined have created absolute havoc because we are not valuing our own downtime and said, you know what? Like someone said, the new flex, right? The new flex is 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 a good work life balance. Yeah, you know? uh, yeah. I, I I'm one hundred percent with you on the whole thing of people do wear 
kind of busyness as a uh, a badge of honor that we have to be oh what are you getting in this month how many clients you have this month or whatever how's business all this kind of stuff it's the first question people ask it yeah. uh but it's like oh how are you sleeping that's not the sexy question <laughs> no that's, that's a sexy question <laughs> not at all i mean i actually i had a conversation with my brother yesterday he, he lived in spain for eight or nine years and he said he's back now living in ireland i said what, what do you find the difference he said he said this obsession with work he said no one ever talks about work in spain he said no one ever asks you what do you do how busy are you he said over here it's like what do you do how busy are you know so you're right we have this complete obsession with you know showing how productive we are and we uh, you know we, we spend so much time up here and we need you know that's what this guy said to me the world is full of headers <laughs> we're, we're on our heads you know we need to get back into feeling and living and enjoying the moment and spending time with friends and family and food and all that's been cut away with covid but now i think hopefully we'd swing the other way <laughs> Fingers crossed. Big fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned about anxiety and you had a masterclass. So you have a masterclass. Going right. on. Can you kind of talk about the three tools that you have for dealing with anxiety and you can talk about the, the masterclass as well? Sure. Um, so like, you know, it's, it's, it's a huge issue for people. Anxiety is a form of stress. And as I said, stress is an important function. I mean, everyone gets anxiety. I have, I get anxiety. Everyone does. It serves a function. If I didn't have anxiety, I wouldn't be sitting here doing this podcast. I'd be going, ah, sure, it's all right. Don't worry about it. It'd <laughs> <Yes, laughs> be grand. <laughs> I'd be chilling out someplace, lying out in the front garden or something. I don't know what I'd be doing. But like, you know, like anxiety is a function. Like, um, But it's when it gets out of, because it's, it's there to tell us about a potential threat or consequence so if it's not um you know if it's not present then you know it's you know we're not going to be you're probably going to die um but the tools for anxiety there, there was a huge study done in by the university of cambridge which looked at different groups and cohorts in the population that have issue with anxiety and they looked at two particular groups with in different social classes and what they found was one group had a strategy for anxiety and once you have a strategy, this group had very low anxiety levels. And this other group, they didn't have a strategy. They had no strategy. They just rolled with the anxiety. Oh, Jesus, you know. Um, and they found that once they taught them, once they gave them a skill set to deal with anxiety, their anxiety levels went right down. It it just absolutely you know, freezes you. What can happen is people have this level of perfectionism of these big goals in their life or they, I want this and it's so far away from them and they, they feel, you know, out of control. They feel overwhelmed. They feel as though they're not going to get. So the first thing about anxiety is recognize that that all of us have it. Um, have a strategy for it. And I mean, like that real-time tool that I done, the breathing technique, that reduces strategy, right? And you know, getting back a sense of control means to be strict about our time, our uh, work-life balance, about tasks that we have to get done during the day, build momentum, keep these things really simple, get up. And this is why get up, dress your bed, um, set up your workspace. This immediately puts you in a positive frame of mind and gets gets you into that kind of flow of 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 you know ticking off the list and things like that um so i i've taught people a whole range of sort of simple techniques and tools for when they're lying in bed and they're anxious um you know the exercise just getting out all of these things forward movement if we're moving forward if we're running or jogging or cycling when we're doing that, we're scanning our environment for dangers. Back in the day, it was tigers and, and it was all that kind of stuff. And what that does is that sends a, a message back. It's safe to move forward. There's no threat. And what that does is that reduces activity in the amygdala, which is the threat detection center of the brain. So we reduce anxiety and stress that way. Imagine another huge benefit of exercise. So if we're moving forward in, in, in that sense, we're moving forward in life, it's reducing stress levels. So there's a whole host of different strategies and techniques, whether it be a breathing technique, whether it be exercise, whether it be a cognitive technique, that I've kind of go through different uh, variances of that. And the biggest thing that people are anxious about and worry about anxiety, their biggest concern is that they'd always have anxiety, you know, yeah. which is kind of crazy. Um, and, and and it was described brilliantly by another guy who done a TED talk on it. He said, "It's like the captain of a ship, 
and all the crew members are anxiety running up going, you're going to crash. We have to change course immediately. And the captain goes, it's okay. I understand your concern. I know why you're thinking that, but we're going to be fine. And you go on. So that's how we have to deal. That's one of the other ways that we have to deal with anxiety, to acknowledge it, to say, okay, I understand I'm feeling like this. Why am I feeling like this? Because this is happening and that's happening. Okay. Because as you know, and as we all know, we've all been there doing worst case scenario at three o'clock in the morning in our head. We've lost the, the job, the relationship, the car, everything, the house, whatever. You know, how often does that come to pass? Yeah. You know, very, very rarely does. And do you know what? If it does, we can bloody deal with it because I've met enough people and I've gone through enough of my own life to know that we can deal with it. So the thing about anxiety is, you know, um, it's important. We have to teach ourselves some tools to deal with it. Uh, and we, it, it, it won't be around, uh, you know, it won't be a continuous uh, ongoing event in your life. I think it's a very important thing that you said that, that anxiety has a purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's like I said, I, it's like when you hear anxiety, like the, the word depression kind of goes alongside it in mm-hmm. the relation to the, the two of the quite negative uh, con- connotations towards what people have. But now you put the positive spin on it. And I think as a human race, we are amazing at trying to future predict. And the sentence that I always talk to myself is, well, I can't predict a lot of numbers. So what's yeah. the point of worrying about it? I'm just like, <laughs> or else having a piece of paper beside the bed. It's like we're all great at creating to-do lists. Mm-hmm. But we never we never actually act on those lists that we create. So write something down on a piece of paper. If it's important, look at it in the morning. Mm-hmm. And probably more than often than not, it's just these random tangents yeah. that you've that you've worried about that are, are, ne- are never there. I think I think perspective is like the other thing you can do. And I I always find that my state of mind in the morning is not great. I can be opposite. quite negative. And you know, like at the end of the day, I'm like, man, I had a good day. How do I feel? I feel, you know, I feel really good. I got a lot done to, I feel in the morning, I can be like, oh my God, my life is terrible. You know, I, can't, you know, my, I mean, it's, it's just, and, and, and that's my, that's my uh, state, you know, that's my state of mind, which is only a state. It's not a trait. If I train, if I'm doing the right things on a daily basis, my traits, you know, if I, if I practice meditation and calmness and presence and being in the now again and again, I, I practice the state, but it turns into a trait. Okay, so I think it's really, really good what you said, and I'm such a believer in action because what we're doing, the people who are lying in bed worrying about, they're worrying about taking the action because they're not taking the action, you know. And like you said, we're never responsible for the outcome. How many times have you gone, well, if I do this, that'll happen, and then this, 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 you know. Whereas actually, if you go and do it, and you go, God, a different outcome to what I expected, that's amazing, that's incredible, you know. And then what does that give you? That goes, that moves you from a space of um, belief to a space of I can do this and that then you get a massive hit of dopamine in your life and it's a massive kick in the ass and you go yes you know that's real intrinsic motivation and you've described it perfectly well there thank you uh, and, and I think what you said there about kind of the breathing and stuff and I, a quote comes from my head about stillness is the key sometimes that like that little brief two seconds three seconds four seconds that you're taking out even if you're doing it in the car when the kids are kind of at school taking that three seconds to yourself mm-hmm. is potentially the difference between you opening up your diaphragm and kind yeah. of getting getting that little uh, breath in the last question I'm going to ask is related back to the naps and the kind of the, the systems and stuff that potentially the, the army and stuff use in order to train some of the people because I know I think I read somewhere that Cristiano Ronaldo does four naps a day. I know that man's a different animal, but yeah. Um, how how would someone? And I'm not saying someone has to go for four mm-hmm. naps a day. Like people do have to wake a living. I'm not taking the piss. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but in relation to kind of training someone to have, an, uh, if you were trying to improve someone's sleep, I'm trying to get them to have naps. Yeah, well, what I, I say is this: like you know, in sleep, we sleep in 90 minute cycles, right? They're called ultradian cycles. Yeah. Right. They're not. They're. They're. They happen with. No. They. They. They continue during the day. So our brain runs on ultradian cycles. So you notice people will notice, right? That if I give you, if you have a task, like if I, if I have to write a report, which I do, um, <laughs> and I'm like, oh God, I don't want to do that. Report. I have to do that report, and I'd sit down and be like, and my brain will be like the child going, no, just check Facebook or do something else. It's more fun, and you're going to have to write this report, and it takes five or ten minutes to get in, into it. And then I get in the zone, right? And I'm, I'm on it and I'm doing it. After an hour and a half, I have to take a little breather from that. And if I do that again and again and again, this has been researched inside out, I'm way more productive and I won't burn out. So these little breaks, 
that we take, including what we call NSDRs, non-sleep deep rest protocols. So even if you just sit and be with yourself for two or three minutes, where you're switching off the prefrontal cortex and you're being in the now, because the prefrontal cortex, the planning is the future, is the dopamine. The other mechanism is the stillness of the now, that's the serotonin. And that's being happy with where I am at present. I'm happy with what I ha- with what I have, you know, hugging your partner, hugging a child, <laughs> grab a child and hug them, right? <laughs> um, so that's hugely beneficial for you. Even if it's just like five breaths, you build on it. You know, you start, you just take the space. Like I often just go outside and just for a minute or two to just look at the birds, look at the tree, whatever. And I'm just disengaging that part of my mind. Like now, after years of study, I understand the science of it. And I understand how beneficial it is. We, we can't, we can't, we can't be based our lives on how we feel. You know, who feels fantastic when they're out doing high intensity runs? Or I don't. Me. <laughs> you know? No, and I think of what you've said there about kind of being present. I think it's a lot of things I've tried to bring in, kind of like date nights or family nights, or no phone for my clients yeah. because it's important to have those that are that you're with. Uh, yes. to have the present time with them because the kids are ultimately going to remember this time. We mold our kids. Absolutely. Mold the next generation. They're unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of mental health issues from what's happening now to the next generation, but they're going to remember the time that you've mm-hmm. had it with them now and being present. And if you're kind of like a big ball of stress and being irritable, mm-hmm. remember that. But if you can action the kind mm-hmm. of the breathing little tools that Tom has given us today, I think that will be hugely beneficial towards yourself and everyone around you. It's not even for yourself as well; it's for everyone around you. The difference with your sleep. I know myself when I don't sleep, I am not a nice person. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You know, I've 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 my two hours now after this engineer to spend with my son. You know, and without the phone because they pick they, they're so sharp kids are so sharp they pick up on it they start competing with the phone for your attention and they start misbehaving they start doing it you know i mean you know it's 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 we, we owe it to ourselves and we owe it to have you know you know we, we never get this time back so it's like it's it's so important and you start to feel fantastic about yourself then you start to get really positive everyone wins everyone yeah. wins from this so it's it's just about trying to to be a little bit stricter with ourselves as as and let's face it guys we're the adults now that's kind of you know shocking to me still <laughs> at my age you know which i'm not going to tell you but yeah we're the adults so we have to try and get get a grasp of this and give it a give it a good old go are there like there's so much in what we've gone through kind of today tom i cannot thank you enough for your time where can people find out about yourself on socials where can find people find out about your the, the speaking opportunities and stuff like that sure people can find me tom coleman.e on instagram is probably the easiest way to to, to contact me um and if you have questions, send me over. I'll send you voice notes back because I've no time for typing. And um, people can check out my stuff there. If you want to email me, Tomas, T-O-M-A-S-J, Coleman at gmail.com. I do a lot of talks and workshops for corporates, for shift workers and all that. And I've just finished my sleep anxiety course, but I'm going to actually put put it all online because it's a full e-learning module with weeks and weeks and techniques. And I've got professionally shot videos and everything in that. So I'm going to kind of offer that out again to people very soon. For Amazing. The anxiety. Amazing, Tom. I can't thank you enough for coming on. Lovely. Shane, thanks so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much.